Hello, my waterproofians. Welcome to another episode of Waterproof Records with Jacob Givens, which is me. I'm Jacob Givens, and I'm going to lead you through the Waterproof Records journey. If this is your first time here, welcome to this show. You might be clicking on this episode because you see who my guest is and you're a big fan, or if you've been with me the entire time, thank you so much. I am a music lover, fan, a musician myself, and I started this show to highlight some of the most influential albums on my life as a teenager and all the way up until today, and that's also what I ask of my guests. So if you're new to Waterproof Records, that's what we do. We talk about albums, we dig in, we talk about the experience of loving music and what led people into a career in music. And that is why I have my guest on today, which is Evan Thomas Weiss, who is also known as Into It, Over It, which is a Chicago indie rock band that is just fantastic. I have been a fan of Into It, Over It's music for years, and Evan is the one who created this band as a solo project, but has since morphed into a full-on band that tours, plays live, and they put out a lot of music. So I highly recommend, if you are not familiar with Into It, Over It, you should definitely check it out. But um, if you're a big fan and you're excited about this interview, Welcome, and if you've never heard of Evan's music before, this is your chance to learn all about what led him to creating Into It, Over It, and where they're headed for the future. So it's time to talk about Into It, Over It with Evan Thomas Weiss. Let's go. I am so excited to get this interview started, but before we do that, I'm also excited to tell you about my sponsor, DistroKid. I tell you every time, if you haven't checked out DistroKid, what are you waiting for? First of all, I have an incredible link that gives you 30% off your first year, and that is distrokid.com slash VIP, which you are slash waterproof. So wait, I shouldn't talk in the middle of the link. Let me get the link out, and then I'll rave review. distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof. That's your link that gets you 30% off your first year, which is a pretty significant amount of savings, I must say. And that's because you're a VIP. You listen to waterproof records and you know, you got to get that discount. But DistroKid is your chance, your opportunity to finally release your music out into the world. They make it so easy. They have an iOS app now that you should definitely check out. And it's a way for you to share your music, make a profit that comes back to you 100%. And they have all these amazing tools that you can share, like your album art and even the videos that run on Spotify and streamers and they link you up to YouTube and I mean there's just so many cool services so I highly recommend you check out DistroKid. I have music on DistroKid and I plan on releasing more music in the near future on DistroKid. So once again distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof. Check it out. Get that 30% off. But now it's the moment you've been waiting for my interview with Mr. Evan Thomas Weiss. So without further ado, Welcome to Waterproof Records, Evan Thomas Weiss, a.k.a. Mr. Intuit Over It. Thank you for being Hi. here, sir. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Um, it's good to be here. I, we've we've been DMing on Instagram about this for like what seems like a year. It's been a point, long so time. I'm glad it, yeah. I'm glad we've it finally about, happened. Yeah, we've talked about it for a while and... Uh, you know, not for lack of trying, just uh, busy schedules, life, travels, all sorts of things. You playing shows and uh, all sorts of stuff. Again, yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> Life gets in the way of living. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the, the majority of people who listen to the show, uh, you know, I have some people who watch, but it's obviously podcasts are predominantly um, listened to. But behind you is quite an impressive collection of records I see there. Yeah. It's, wow. It goes all the way to the floor. It's in multiple rooms of the house. I yeah. uh, So I run a record label uh, called Storm Chasers, which is... Okay. A passion project and the way that we do it it's it's subscription based and it's community driven so it's like a you know 25 people involved but i'm like the main the main person running it but before wow. uh but when i was in my late teens and early 20s worked at a um i didn't go to college i was going to go to school for a music business degree and like in the months before the first semester got a job working for a music distributor and wow uh just to set, well, I was like, all right, I already got the job. I might as well just dive right into working. Right. And, um, and that career was around selling music to, um, to record stores on the East coast. So I grew up in, in New Jersey. And so imagine you're a record store in like Baltimore, Maryland, and you're, right. you know, sourcing vinyl for your store. Um, I worked at a company that was what, what is called a one-stop so instead of having to go to 30 record labels and get the catalog from each record label, you could just call us and we would have everything from all the record labels and you could just order from one place. So it would save you wow. a, lot on, a lot on shipping and stuff like that. So I was one of the main sales guys and marketing people for this one stop. And I worked there from the time I was like 19 until I was, or yeah, 19 until I was 23. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and so by, you know, when I started, I was just a dude packing CD mailers and LP mailers. And then by the time I left, I was one of like the lead salespeople. And wow. so that was, my, that was like my first office gig. And that would have been like 2000, 2003, 2004. Right. Um, and that kind of, I, I bought records all through high school and, you know, grew up in a house with a turntable. And so I would buy punk records and stuff, but it was working there that really like got me into collecting. And um, yes, you know, and and it's so this, quite a collection you have, I see, in one room, which you said it's in multiple rooms, which is amazing. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I my my little heart grew two sizes just now. Yes. And but yeah, it's like I've also moved this from four, you know, four or five apartments and across the country, and like it's come with me and everywhere. And, I, and it goes through, you know, I'll sell some, and then like when I was touring a lot, like when I first started touring a lot, would would sell a decent amount of it, and then have to rebuy things as I right. you know, was able money again. And, um, now that I have a career and, you know, I, I, uh, have been able to supplement this collection very nicely and, um, yes. I don't buy records much anymore. I, I ordered new stuff online when it, when I, you know, when it strikes a chord, but I I'm not buying like I used to, I used to go to the record store and buy like walk out with like 20 things, you know, totally. Totally. No, no, now it's like one or two. <laughs> yeah. And, and you were ahead of the, you know, we're kind of in a, um, a vinyl renaissance return, you know, it's kind of a resurgence. And so you were ahead of all that because now they're, they're pricing them up there. There's more available and represses and reprints. So probably a good yeah. thing. I'm the reverse of you, which is in. So my parents had a, a turntable set up, but it was like classical music, Willie Nelson, the Beatles. It was like that kind of stuff. And so I, it wasn't my turntable but it was my parents and so yeah. I you know in the 90s I had the tape and then the CDs and so the only records I bought I bought three records in the 90s and it was because of my obsessive love of the Smashing Pumpkins I remember I, we were like vacationing somewhere in Minneapolis and I saw Siamese Dream 
on record and I, I picked it up. Little did I know that that would become like a, a gem, like a holy yeah, grail. It's like a, it's like type a $300 thing. record. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I bought it in 1994, I think. And it's this marbly red and it's just, I kept it with me. And then the only other records I ever bought in the nineties were I got a door. Also, I was a, such a dorky fan who just had to have it all. The one thing I skipped was I didn't buy melancholy and the infinite sadness, which that would have been like, wow, you know, oh, I yeah. didn't, didn't do it. Well, um, and, second. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh. You're going to, you're going to grab it, aren't you? You yeah, probably right. have it in your collection. Evan has now slid his chair over to the wall of records, and he's pulling out both. <laughs> are, are those OGs? Are yeah, those OGs? both of them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, oh. Yeah, this, hey, this one... This one is fucking awesome. I you really I you I only pull it out because I I have to follow it up. I just have to tell you you fucked up. <laughs> I fucked up. I fucked up big time. You're right. I fucked up because I don't know why I didn't think to do it. You know, I had it on CD. I had the booklets. I had everything. But I it's so funny because vinyl in in the 90s when I was a teenager was was fading out. Right. It was like the thing that you oh and there's Gish. He's got them all guys. <laughs> if you're watching right now, he's literally digging, rifling through and showing me the the oh look he's got. A door right there he's got all of them that's this it it stops it stops at the door it stops there it stops there <laughs> the buck stops here but i i that's that's impressive and again like i was saying the the vinyl was kind of on its way out in a big way back then so it almost seems silly to buy them for me at the time where i was in oklahoma as a kid it was like why am i buying these records i'm doing it because i'm a fan yeah um i mean but I, we we that's you were talking about the vinyl resurgence and it's like we actually went out of business like four months before the boom happened like really? and, the re- and the reason was because shit was music wasn't physical music stopped selling for a while mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was like a seven or eight month period of physical like no one really buying physical music and then all of a sudden vinyl hit and had we just stayed in business another four or five months we would have wow. come out really good on the other side it just uh yeah. it just didn't work out you know yeah. but the, you know thank you honestly though if that hadn't happened i maybe wouldn't have uh started 50 i wouldn't have started into it over it i wouldn't have moved right. here i wouldn't be where i'm at now and so there's right. i could be it happened sour for a reason. about it but yeah you know it happened for a reason and i'm glad you that's actually the perfect time and to transition you know like i'm familiar with your music and and your work and you're a very talented guy really great dude and i now this is my opportunity <laughs> yes all the accolades stop. all the stop 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 come on, please 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 no more um uh, you know i want to get this opportunity because you just set up really nicely that you know where where you grew up and but let's talk about Into It, Over It and how this all began. Um, you are quite a prolific songwriter because this whole thing really starts, if I'm not mistaken, is the 52 Weeks um, project. Yeah. That's where we kicked this off back in 2009. Is that correct? No. So uh, it was actually in 2007. So it was okay. the, it was my 23rd birthday. Okay. And what happened was the that the distributor that I was working at went out of business. Right. Um, my partner and I at the time had broken up. So, and the band that I was in before, which is called the progress was, yeah. was kind of winding down. Like Jason was going to law school and like the guys didn't really want to do it anymore. You know, we're like 21, 22, but when you're, when you're, we'd been a band all through, like since the nineties, we've been playing music together. And so yeah. you're like, oh wow, we've been a band for almost 10 years and nothing's happened yet. Like this is probably done. So I couldn't convince right. those guys to be motivated about it. So all this shit's going wrong and I'm losing all of this, you know, you know, everything's kind of falling apart. And, um, and I had all these, you know, I, I had all this drive to be working on something, but didn't have any motivation from anyone around me to really work on it. Right. So 
Uh, so I had the idea to challenge myself to be creative and to, uh, you know, and the idea was 52 weeks it started as an idea and, uh, the project itself was just going to be called into it over it because the concept was you would have, you would, you would have six days to write, record and release a song. Right. So the first song was the only one that I didn't, I had like ample ample time to prepare quote unquote, but really the song I wrote, I wrote in the days before the first session. And so, you know, I, I call my buddy, Steve, who owns the recording studio Gradwell, where all, almost all of it was made and um, told him, I was like, I want to book every Wednesday night for a full year. And he's like, you're an absolute fucking psychopath. I explained him the idea and he was really into it. And he was, and he kind of thought he, he was under the impression, like, well, if you get started, like you can't, you can't stop. Like you, right. you're, it would, it'll look bad if you can't finish it. And I'm like, trust me, I know I'm, I'm that weighs on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what a commitment. So we started the first week and, uh, we, and ba- so Batsto was literally written, you know, two days, two, two or three days before it was recorded. It was written that same week. And then ever, sure enough, we were able to keep it going all 52 weeks and it didn't really get, uh, in the middle is like the sweet spot. It's like from week, like from like week eight until like week 40, is like we're in a, just a groove. Like it's that's like, where you hit it. That's the yeah, stride. And it, was, and it was it was uh you know and so sure enough every almost every Wednesday night sometimes we'd have to move things based on schedules. So some weeks I even had less than seven days, and some weeks you know uh, I mean it was always you know Wednesday was always the bitter end. But the songs would go online for free every Thursday morning, and so we would up we'd be up all night. Where like, where were you lo- uploading them at the time? Uh, Intuitover.com. It was so it was your website website and that's where you were loading the songs. They're yeah, free, they're make, streaming. We would make new artwork every week. Like Wow, I would, dude. I would, uh, I would send my buddy Brian, who helped me with all the art. He did all the art for the physical version too. I would send him like the lyrics and kind of loosely what the song was about. And right. he would make he would make a little splash page for the website. So if you went to intuitover.com, the up the art would update every week and um, you click in, it would have the lyrics and you could download the tune. You could also download all the songs that were before that. And it was just a free, a free project. And then that's amazing. When, as we were doing the last couple of weeks, I joined another band called, uh, Demira, who was like a, a more active touring band. And so the last two songs were recorded in the van while we were on tour. So that's why they sound so shitty is because they were recorded Whoa. on the road. But when it was, I was so also just ready to be done with it. By the time it got to me, I was like, yeah, it's a up. whole year of your life and, uh, and, and the pressure, <laughs> right? The pressure. Yeah. So it, it finished and then it was just available for free on the internet. And that was what it remained. It was just like, cool, this is, that's what it was. That's a moment in time. It was a fun project that I did. And now I'm on to another thing and I'm touring with this other band. And this is where my trajectory is at. And so I played in this other band for like a year and I didn't even think about it. And then um, this label, No Sleep, who I'd met while doing 52 weeks and, uh, you know, had told them about it while I was in the middle of the project, they continued to follow along and, um, maybe like four or five months after it was all done, they hit me up and they were like, Hey, you know, like, what do you think about putting this out on CD and making it a little more official? And so it's like, yeah, sure. And so we took all the songs offline. Mm-hmm. We, we remixed and remastered all of them. Wow. Um, Cause the originals, we only had like an hour to mix them. So they were very like rough and raw and, you know, sure, we give them sure. a little like volume leveling, but they weren't actually mastered. They were just, so there is like a free version of it. That's, has some different it sounds different it's like a straight up just different version of it um 
we didn't add any new instruments, but they were like, we gave, we actually like gave the song some attention and some treatment. Right, and right, right. And um, so we took it down, remixed it, remastered it. And then it got released in June, 2009, like almost uh, a year and a half after it was actually, actually finished. And so I got this box of CDs <laughs> in my house, my, well, my apartment at the time in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And was like, well, I guess I should start maybe playing some shows just to help sell these CDs. And, um, so I did a couple shows and, and then, uh, um, Demira, I, I was asked to leave Demira and, you know, and then shortly after I left the band kind of fizzled out anyway, but I was asked to leave Demira and was like, well, I, I, you know, maybe I'll start doing into into it over it again. And the only reason it was called into it over it at all is because that's what that first 52 week song writing project was. And so, so I, I am so glad you answered this because when I first heard the name into it over it before I met you and I knew that it was you, you know what I mean? I knew, I knew into it over it as the band name and didn't know it was this singular guy behind it. And when I heard the band name, it made me laugh out loud because what it made me think of, it made me remember being a teenager and like being with a group of friends and then one of somebody in the group is like super into a band and then the next time you hang out with them, they're like, I'm over it. And yeah. so it, it brought it harkened, what, it harkened back to these to that fading passion of people that you'd be with. And you'd, be, you'd almost like explore a band's discography and then show up and be like so ready to talk about Green Day with your buddy. And then they'd be like, yeah, I'm kind of over it now. And you'd be like, no, what? Oh, yeah, I just got oh, started. Yeah, I just that's, got started. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of what it was about. It, it was actually from hanging in the studio. Yeah. Um, when, when like the progress was making a record, um, we would be talking about where we wanted to eat that day. Yeah. And I'd be, you would say the name, you know, like, let's go to Wendy's and someone would be like into it and be like, all right, cool. And then, you know, you go to Wendy's like six times and you're like, Wendy's and you're like, nah, over it. Over it. Got to think of something new. And, but so the, with the 52 week songwriting project, it was like, you have six days to work on a tune and then you immediately have to shift gears and start working on a new tune. So it's like, you're into something for seven days and then you're, you're over it. You gotta, you gotta move on to the next thing. It's like a constant I love it. cycle. And so that was why it was called what it was called. Yeah. And that was just supposed to be the name for 52 weeks. And that was it. Like, that's it. But when we started, when I started having to sell CDs and started playing shows, it's like, well, what else am I going to call this thing? Like that's, yeah. that's what it's called. That's and into so, it over it. And so the, the, I mean, further it's, it's carried with me. Like I don't, I don't bake in, bake i don't bathe in nostalgia very often <laughs> I, I do so bake like, in nostalgia no yeah and it's not like i don't i, I well you do yeah, i mean your yeah, podcast yeah. is very nostalgia focused yeah, yeah yeah i mean you're but like also it's uh i don't i don't tend to look back at things i already did and be like how can i make sure. that again right. i'm always looking forward like how can i make the next thing how can i push myself further how can i be how can Absolutely. i expand on these new ideas on previous ideas like maybe not do the same thing again but take what i've done and, and elaborate on it you know so i'm always trying to if, if I weren't making something that I felt sounded new every time I was making something, I would, I wouldn't be inspired to make stuff anymore. And so, um, so it's kind of maintained in that way moving forward. And I think, I think it's what over, it has a vibe and a sound, but at the same time, I've really, sh- I really strive to not make the same record twice. And I think yeah. every record kind of has its own identity a little bit and, and, and is pushing forward in a way that, um, is pretty cool. And I think that's, you know, indicative of the name itself too. Cause you know how many bands just like they have that style and it just sounds like they're making the same thing over and over. And it's like, and yeah. that's cool. That's cool. Sure. You know, like sure. some but, people like that and some people prefer that. Right. That's, that's what they what want. I, they want that's the not what same I want to do. I've always yeah. been really inspired by like, um, 
by like Beck or like Radiohead in the way where it's like you buy the new album and you have no idea what the Every fuck time. it's going to be until Every you put time. it on. And then you're like, oh, this is the energy of the record. You know, like this is what I'm stepping into. Yeah. Um, and everyone has their favorites because of that. Like everyone can be like, oh man, like for me with Beck, like I love, I, I, I my favorite is Mutations, which is the one. It's one of my all time favorite uh, Beck albums. Absolutely. Yeah. Hands down. And, and, and that's the one like, but then I can listen like, Odele still sounds like it's made in the year 3000. Like, I don't know how they made that record right. and, Mi- and midnight vultures has its own fucking vibe. Totally. And, you know? And so, and so does sea change in morning phase. Like, you know, it's like, so that's what I've always loved and try to keep that, that same energy, but that's, that's totally where the name's from. Yeah. I love it. And so you've done this huge ambitious project. It's now being, you can sell it on CDs. It's, it's released. You're starting to play shows. And so do you then think to yourself, all right, I want to do something that has a theme behind it again. And that's what inspired 12 towns or like, is that, that's the same thing. You're like, I want to do something that, that I have an end goal and that's what I'm going to try to accomplish. So so tell me a little bit about that. So, so 12 towns spawned, I was, I was, did all this touring with Demira. Right. And, uh, we had, we had done something in the, in the course of a year, we had done something like three, eight to 12 week tours, like really long tours. And they were, they were hard tours. Like no one made any money. They were, sure. there were, but there were all these great stories. I had all these really fun stories about specific towns and, and stuff we had done. And so I was like, cool, I got this idea for, for songs. I wrote all this, I wrote all the towns down on like a sheet of paper. There were like 17 towns that had a good story. And, right. uh, and I was like, all right, let's do 12. Cause that's a nice, a nice even number. Um, I thought 12 towns sounded like something kind of catchy, it but, does. the but the idea was let's do in my mind, I was like, I wanted to do something that was more of a long tail project that also right. wasn't centered around me. And that was something that I'd never seen someone else do which was mm-hmm. the same with 52 weeks. I've never, I've still never seen anyone do 52 weeks since I've done it. So, yeah. but the idea with 12 towns was to do six split seven inch records. Right. With six different bands that were buddies of mine from way back when, and maybe like their new band on six different labels with six different graphic designers. Wow. And so the idea there is you get the only constant in all of that is into it over it. Right. And so you get six bands talking about Intuit over it. You get six labels talking about Intuit over it. You get six designers talking about Intuit over it. And then you have six records that come out over the a long period of time, like a year and a half, two years. So you always have something new. Wow. So you can keep Dude. staying, keep staying in the conversation, keep having something new to sell on tour, keep having something new coming out. And it, so that basically set me up for two years of promotion. Right. That, that was and I had to organize all of it. So it was a shitload of work, but at the same time, it was, there was a lot of passive promotion that I was able to get from it, from like my buddies and everyone everywhere and my buddies in cast of it, my buddies in empire empire and my, you know, and the folks at top shelf and the folks that count your lucky stars and the folks that no sleep and the folks that run right. than sword. And so it was this huge collaborative effort. All the seven inches were pretty limited. So they all sold out. And then the plan always was like, when these seven inches are all gone, we'll put all the songs on a single record and then we can sell the single record. And, wow. um, and so that was the whole idea behind 12 towns. It was just like a huge collaboration of like bringing a community of people together. And and there's a lot of people who try to collect all six. So there's like people finding, you know, bands maybe they've never heard of before through right. this. They may have liked me, but never heard of any other bands and they or right. they may have, they may like, you know, swing set, who is one of the bands they may have like, 
seen them play the Klinghouse in Akron a bunch of times. So they sure. picked up that seven inch and then they found out who I was and then they'd look into me a little deeper and then they'd find these other bands. And so it was really, uh, uh, in one hand, it was kind of, it was kind of selfish. On the other hand though, it really brought, I think a community of bands and people together yeah. that were able to network with each other and work together really well. And, and I mean, all of us came, every band in that collection knew each other and were buds and played shows together. Friends. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. So clever. I think it's incredibly clever. That's what I think is so impressive about it is you really had to find unique ways of standing out and, and the music business and how you share music since you've come up and, and, you know, build this career for yourself, it's changed. It's transformed because oh, yeah. long gone are the days of a website where the, the, the streams are and everybody now is relying upon a streaming service, right. To get the music and physical media as in terms of CDs. I mean, obviously people are buying records again, but, but it, it's totally different. And you've lived through all of that. You've had four yeah. studio albums come through, you know, from 2011 until where we are today and really yeah. seen the shift um, and so I'm sure you've, you've felt that. And, and do you think it's gotten easier for you to share your music now with people? Uh, well, the way we do it now is a lot different. Like I don't, um, and I mean, this is a loaded question. Cause like I've, so I'm sorry, <laughs> no, 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 don't be, <laughs> I, I've been through the machine of what, of what the music industry is. And so yeah. now, you know, I'm, I'm on the other side with a lot more perspective and understanding of what what is in my mind, you know, my belief of a smart investment versus a, um, versus just a, you know, I shouldn't say smart because that, that implies that something is, is dumb. I don't think it's right. dumb. I don't think working with a label is, is, is a bad idea, but for where I am in my career, I can set up what we're doing to, to have very tangible return. Mm-hmm. Like we have, we have a very we have a very focused, dedicated, wonderful fan base that are yes. very loyal and very supportive of everything that we do. Not just me with Intuit Over It, but the other bands that we're in and the other bands that people I play in bands with are in. You know, it's like it's a right. It's, it's like a, a family. Yeah. And that's and that's what Storm Chasers is. So we're we're set up with the ability where everyone can own their own music. We can work in a very equitable fashion where we can release music. Um not in a way that is beyond our own means, but also see a tangible financial return instantly. And that is like the biggest challenge with working with a label is like, you know, you want a label that you're working with to be able to give you things that you can't provide for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've worked really hard in the last seven, eight years to set up what we're doing to be very self-reliant. Like we built our own recording studio. We uh, we're working with, we work in the same building as the record pressing plant that we use. So like our recording studio is in the same building as the vinyl pressing plant. They're, they're connected by like a staircase, you know? So it's like, yeah, we're, we're in a very unique position. And also everyone I play music with, at least with Intuit over it, we all work in the music gear industry. So like, like I work at reverb, Joe works at reverb, Matt works at sounds and Adam works at sure. And so we're like, we, we have access to resources that not a lot of people do, but we've set ourselves up consciously to have that. Yeah. So, because those, those uh, resources that we've, we've found and, and worked our way to having benefit, not just our professional careers, but our, our creative ones as well. So 
you know, like there's there's certain misnomers that I think are really great for certain. Like I think PR is really good for certain bands, but it's not a worthwhile investment for us right now at this right, at this right. stage in our career, you know. And so we don't we're not spending money on that kind of thing. And that's right. just it's just where we're at. But everything we had done previously informs where we're at now and informs what we do now and informs how we get paid now. And, right. um, you know, I want to work in a fashion that is that is tangible. You Makes know, like sense. You get, and, and it's because I've seen I've been on the other side of it. Like I've done yeah. records before with with massive budgets and they were awesome, priceless, yeah, yeah. priceless experiences that I would will never have again. But right. I'll never but I'll never see dollar one from any of them. And right. that's right. And that's OK. I'm, I've made peace with that. But like. I want to see dollar one. If we're going to put yeah. all this time and money yeah. and effort into something, we should get paid for it. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, yeah. So we've just, uh, it's funny. Like you think about, and I've, you know, I've talked about this with a couple other people before, but like you work so hard as a young band to make you, to, to get these goals that you think are going to be really like the stuff that, that, you know, it's going to change your life and it's going to be, you know, this totally. is what I, this is what I see. This is what I fantasize about what I dream about about blah 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 you get all those things and you're like man this actually isn't like it's not that great you know like it's not it's not what i thought it would be yeah and so you go you, you work your way through this entire machine just to get to the end of it and be like well you know i actually was having way more fun when we were just doing it ourselves and we were like putting i in know the time. and so you go back i went back all the way to the beginning of like how we did it when we started and i'm having way more fun with music now than, than i was in that then in that middle period, it's like, oh, because that's actually what was fucking kick ass about it. It was. Yeah, because you know. you're 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 doing it because you love it. You know, it's the interesting thing is, is I talked about this. I was a guest on another show and the, the guy asked me, he said, how do you still retain your enthusiasm for music? You know, how do you come across so enthusiastic about music being a musician and 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 uh, still having you've seen it in my videos the way I get excited about it. And I I think you're still enthusiastic about music yeah. as well. And I, the, the weirdest part about my life and my career trajectory is in 2007, I also made my own first solo album, but I was doing that as like a, um, as like a fun thing to just, I want to do this. I love music so much, but my past 20 years of life in LA has been so laser focused on, I'm going to make it into the movie business and I'm going to become an actor and a comedian and a screenwriter. And so it's so funny because my attention was always on that. I was always trying so hard to um, really get after it, you know, write and sell the script or, or get this thing made or, you know, all of that. And in the same capacity, when I let go of all those pursuits and me and my friends just started enjoying and making stuff together, it completely changed the dynamic yeah. of what I why I got into this in the first place. It took away all that. Um, all that need um, yeah. to be like, once this happens, my life is going to be different and better and, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's like, and what then, is, how do you, how do you define better? You know, exactly, like, exactly. Like, <laughs> and, and then to top it all off, once I, once I got to this whole thing that's happening to me now, which I never expected that came from a solely a place of, I love it. 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 And <laughs> that's all there is to it. And so what you're seeing from me is, is never a chore. It's never a, a a challenge. It's like I you you want me to talk about how much I love a fucking song? Are you kidding me? And you yeah. like watching me do it? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I never in a million years in my forties imagined that I would be doing what I'm doing now and reaching people the way that I'm I'm reaching them. And it's because music had never 
been the 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 centerpiece of my life. It had always been the thing that the the foundation that kept me going and kept me waking up every morning. But anyway, I just it's just so interesting to see yeah. you and I. You're a little bit younger than I am, but you are we're very close in the same generations and the time and the the music that we were raised with and. I'm dying to get into those albums that really sparked you. Um, and before we get to that, I just I just think it's fascinating to hear about how here you were in 2007. And the thing I'm so impressed by is there's just a tremendous amount of motivation and drive to choose such ambitious projects at that age and go, I'm going to see it through. Oh yeah. And I mean, that's, I will say that's a, uh, you know, you may able to talk to my therapist about this, but I, <laughs> if I, if I, if I say I'm going to do something, I yeah. figure I figure out a way to do it. And no I, I don't, shit. No and shit. I have no, I, and it's like that with, it's like that with my, my job. It's like that with, you know, with the label, yeah. there's, there's a lot of things that we do or that I've been a part of that have been really, really unique. And it's just because I, I refuse to believe that, you know, I don't, it's not that I don't take no for an answer, but it's like, there's a way to, to figure anything out. Like yeah. it's, you know, where there's the will, you can, you know, it's like, yeah. I guess a trite where, statement where there's a will, no. there's a way, but it's like fucking real, man. And it's like, that's how I've done people, it too. The only people standing in anybody's way in my mind is, is people standing in their own way of, of yeah. what their goals are. You know, it's like, and some people, and obviously that's a privileged thing to say, because it's like some people just aren't afforded the, the ability or the assets or the, or, you know, and I, I came from a home, raised by musicians, you know, like what we weren't fortunate, but we weren't not fortunate either. You know, it's like, sure. I was, I was given the, the, um, my parent, my parents and the parents of people who I played music with growing up, like we're really excited about what we were doing. And, you know, I, I, and looking back on it now as a grown man, it's like, oh yeah, it's cause they, they knew where we were. Right. They, they knew we were in the basement making music and not you know, fucking drinking underage or like getting into right, trouble. getting you know, into trouble, breaking the you know, law, you know, doing something that, that that's going to get you in trouble or ruin your life, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So like they knew they could, they could, we were in the basement making noise. Like they, they knew where, where are the kids? Oh, they're downstairs. You know, it's they're like, downstairs. I can hear them. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> and that's, you know, cause we started when we were in the fifth grade, like that we were learning how to play guitar when we were little kids, you know, it's like amazing. Um, And so, you know, we, we came from, from a fortunate scenario but we're also encouraged we like whenever we had harebrained ideas or silly, you know, like what if we did this or what if we tried that? Right. Or what if we went here? You know, we were encouraged to at least try, even if we right. were going to fail, we were encouraged to try. And so, you know, that was, that was really, really big. And that stuck with me and, and the people that I grew up with played music with through our whole lives. And we, you know, me and Mike, who's the singer of the progress, we were just talking about it the other day. We're like, man, are we like, we were we were doing a ton of stupid shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, we, were, we were given the permission to, you know, and it's yeah. like because of that, that like learning and failing, learning how to fail at a young age to me is like pretty important. You know, like if yeah. you know, if you're able to understand and grasp the idea that like you can make a mistake and it doesn't mean you're a failure. It right. just means that, you know, like it's an it's a learning moment. If you're taught that young it's, you know, you're willing to take way more chances as, Absolutely. as a grown up, in my opinion, that's my belief. Um, yeah. and that's kind of led me to where we're at, you know, and we don't win all the time. I mean, there's into totally. whatever it's into whatever it's gone through all, you know, we, we you know, at this point we're, we're a, a good old, a good old club band, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, uh, but it's, but you're but doing I'm comfortable. It. I'm comfortable with where we're at. I mean, we get to make, 
the art that we want to make on the terms that we want to make it. And there are people out there who are excited about it. And that's at this point in my life in, you know, being 38 about to turn 39, it's like, I'm totally comfortable with that and okay with it. And, um, and music has allowed me and my friends to do see and experience things that I never would have thought in my wildest dreams. Like, um, I love it. Yeah. You hear that listeners? You hear that? You hear, you just try. Okay. (laughs) You just try. I mean, I think that that's a very valuable message and it even, it speaks to people who are listening now and are my age or older or your age and younger, but there, you can easily talk yourself out of trying because you can be like, oh, that window has passed or I tried it once before and it didn't work. I just think that Um, I wouldn't be here still living in the city that I'm living in if I gave up. Now, they always had good years, bad years, highs and lows. You know, it's so funny because people will comment when I I was early going and and people were watching my videos. um, You know, some of the trolls and the haters and things like that would say things like, I cannot believe that you have attention for just sitting and listening to music. Like what joke world is this where we give a shit about a guy listening to music? And I, I disregarded it completely. Cause I thought to myself, I was like, if you had any idea, man, the road that I have traveled to get <laughs> where I am sitting in front of my couch today, having my wife blow my face with a uh, leaf blower um, <laughs> to a smashing pumpkin song that led me to this moment. It hasn't all just been sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. It's been a lot of heartache. It's been a lot of, a lot of days where you go, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to, I want to move away and live in a tent in the middle of, of the mountains and never, never deal with anything in the arts or creative pursuits ever again, because I can't, I can't handle it. But for some reason we're compelled. We have to, I, you can't stop me from doing it. You can't stop me from making shit. I can't, I literally, I have the idle hands problem as I'm sure you do yeah. too. Oh, it's dude, like, I gotta be doing stuff all the time. I, I have always have to be doing stuff and, and people will, will hear, you know, I job, family life, creating state, right. Working on all these different things. And people will be like, well, man, you just need to take some time off. You're going to burn yourself out. And I'm like, I'm always like right on the edge of burnout, like all the time. But that's just kind of how I roll. Dude, <laughs> I burn, just, I burn myself out like a couple times a year and it's totally, it's me too. you know, it and it's, tough. I just have to fucking take a nap for like three days. It's, yeah. it's uh fine or fine opportunities to unplug. You know, what really helped with that was psychedelics, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like, absolutely. I, I, um, I recently somebody gave me um these microdose things, and I've yet to try them, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to try them. You know, I've never done it before, but they'll listen. They'll, they'll listen. They'll listen up some dust up there. It's, L- it's listen a, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so, but, but, like, you know, it's yeah, it isn't without personal sacrifice. I mean, there's also sure. things that, like, you know, I there's there's personal things choices that i've made that will allow me to continue to work at the clip that i want to and it's like i also understand that um people surrounding me aren't going to necessarily fall into that same boat you know like eventually yeah. some, some of my buds are going to age out of it and you know and, and who knows maybe i will too you know like the touring thing like you know i i hadn't done a lot of shows in the last six years and it was because i was pivoting my focus into into what my career my professional career and um but, you know, now I'm kind of this year has been like the most active, like the last 12 months has been like the most active I've been on the road in a really, really long time. But, you know, I think next year will be pretty tame in comparison. You know, like this year we're celebrating a lot of anniversaries and things are turning sure. 10 and, you know, Intuit Over it's going to have its 15 year anniversary in September. And it's like there's Amazing. there's a lot happening this year that won't be happening next year. But it's um, 
you know, my, my desire to be like road dog is not what it was, but you sure. know, now we, now we can do it at a, the balance is there. Oh, there wasn't balance before. And so, yeah. um, so while it looks different, it's still motivated by the same, the same thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit, um, you know, cause I don't get to have you all day long, but I, I love it. I love spending time with you and, uh, <laughs> You're just a great dude. And, and uh, we we met um, just via, I think the first interaction we had was Twitter. Um, I think that was our first well, thing. I was, well, I was a, I found you on Instagram and I was a huge fan immediately. I mean, what's not to love about a dude just in a very wholesome way talking about grunge music, which is like, I'm absolutely a, a grunge kid. That's what I was raised on. It's yeah. my my gateway into everything that I've gotten into as an adult, whether that's, you know, any kind of subculture or counterculture, like it yeah. spawned from being involved in grunt, like being excited about grunge music first. And it's cause you know, yeah. dude, nevermind came out and I was eight years old, just like right. prime primal ready to hear that record, you know, like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's what's not to love about that. But then Twitter is a little more of a direct line of communication. Like, right, right, it's right. Not, it's not like you can do it publicly. Comment. You can publicly yeah. say like, hey, you know, you can comment yeah. to the person, whereas leaving a comment on a, on a post or DMing them, it just it has a different dynamic altogether. But yeah, there, there, there I am on Twitter and you, you, you say something to me and I'm like, holy shit, into it, over it. Like, I like this band. This is amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. I was I was stoked when that happened. And then we we messaged and talked. And, you know, I uh, I was even supposed to come see you live, actually. Um, yeah, I was in I was in Chicago visiting family. And this was not last Christmas, but the Christmas before, which we were still in that weird covid uh, territory. And um, it was we a show. Up. We wound up canceling those shows anyway. Yeah, you did. You did. And so so I was in town and they got canceled while we were there because it was still we were in that we were in that era of, uh, you know, 2021 to 2022. I think it was that was um, it was kind of like we're having these great open windows where things are going well and then people would start, you know, I think I was going to shows and then we would have something happen. And so things would need to be canceled again and everybody have to be precautious. You know, we just those things were happening. And so I had tickets to this show to see you. And then it did get canceled because of that, which I was like, damn it. I, you know, I want it so bad. I was there. I was there. And, uh, and then we finally got a chance to meet in person at Nam, and, uh, and I got to hug you and take a picture with you. And then, and then, uh, it's, you know, I just, you've just been a great friend and somebody that I look forward to hanging out with more. Um, but I know you don't get out to the West coast very often with your tours. Cause it's, yeah, it's expensive. It's Let's get to your waterproof record because that is what this show kind of bases around. You know, it's, it's obviously talking about people's love of music, their careers in music and, and whatnot. But the core is for me, at least we have those albums that we hear we're young and they just completely change the trajectory of our life. They, they, they force us to pick up an instrument or they make us go, I have to work near music the rest of my life. Or I'm just, this is, this is what I'm here for on this planet. And when I asked you what your waterproof record was, you gave me a solid four and I want you to break down um, (laughs) what you said, which was so funny to me. And then, and then let's, let's pick one to kind of zero in on, on the moment. But uh, yeah. So, so yeah, you asked that question and it's like, man, they're, they're actually like different eras in my life sure. that I, that I think are pretty, pretty formative. I think from birth until about 
the time I'm 15 years old, which my whole, my whole life has been pretty much on the same trajectory since the age of 15. But yeah. the, and I actually had to add one because I was thinking, I was thinking in my head yesterday. Cause the, the first records that I heard that where I was like, I love music. That was, that was like the first, like when you're a young kid and someone plays music for the first time, you're like, whoa, like, what is that? I want to listen to this again. Like we just sit in front of the turntable and do it over and over. There sure. are actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there's three, it was, uh, it was well. The one I told you was was so by Peter Gabriel, which absolutely. Was just, I'm fucking it's still one of my all time classic favorite. classic album, and and really represents for my generation, my age. Peter Gabriel music videos were like the earliest MTV Dude, moment burning burn in like, my brain. Sledgehammer, yeah, like big time. Dude, yeah, all, You're all like day. this is yeah. this is what's possible in art and music on this box in front of me. And so totally. when you said that, I was like, so by Peter Gabriel. Absolutely. So there was Go that. On. There was also uh, Violator by Depeche Mode, which was another huge one. That was a record Absolutely. that I played relentlessly as a kid. And then uh, Zendata Manata by The Police. Those were like the three. So Amazing. I grew up. I grew up in a pretty like new wave. Yeah. Uh, home. Like my parents were really. My parents still are like really hip to what's new and what's coming out. And they're very, you know, they love music and there's always stuff playing in the house all the time. But those were three records that were in the house when I was in the '80s, like an '80s baby. Just yeah, like. I probably listened to Zendata Manata like a fucking million times. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that it was just like incredible records that were like, okay, music's for me. That's my thing. Yeah, right. This um, my thing. The first record that made me realize that I wanted to be involved in music, like really being like playing a band, mm-hmm. or if I could be a musician, what it would be. It was Verses by Pearl Jam. Which yes, so I was already I was already a. Um, you know, at this point, I'd, my parents had given me Nevermind for my for Christmas. Right. And, I got it for uh, Christmas, too. I got it for I, Christmas, too. They heard it. They heard, But it wasn't even on MTV yet. They heard it on NPR and thought I would Amazing. have liked it. And Amazing. so they got, they got me the CD. So I was already really into grunge, and I own 10, and I love 10. But Versus was the one that was just like, that shifted me to be, into being like, Pearl Jam's my favorite band. Like, this yeah. is like incredible shit. That's a raw album in comparison. Like, I mean, that's, they, oh, they dude. got, they got flack for it at the time in 93 when that dropped, there was all this pressure. And I mean, I didn't know this as much at the time, but that was their record. That was, you know, the title itself, which you didn't even know from looking at the cover of it. You're like, here's a, here's a fucking sheep on this. And you're like, you know, and you're like, what's this album called? And it was just verses. And you just, it was very combative. Like, you know, it came out of the, came out of the gate, just, you know, yeah, really raw dude. Animal freaking right out of the bat like you're just right out of the bat they yep. drop you right in so yep that was the record that was like i want to how do i be in a band you know yeah but yeah so then two two or three years later fucking dookie came out right and that was the record that was actually like oh you can be in a band yes like it didn't it didn't seem it didn't seem like there was a barrier for entry anymore that was the record that really like was like, oh, like I could just get a guitar and lead a link up with my friends and we can just figure it out. We can do uh, this. Yes. So, so like I think with when hearing verses and like kind of coming off of grunge was like it seemed like there was a lot you had to do totally. in order to make it work. Like you needed resources that you could that you didn't have. And like it, it wasn't just something you could you could find on your own. Sure. Dookie was the record that was like, oh, no, we can just do this. Like no yes. one's. We don't need to ask anybody's permission. Like this is just something we can do. And yeah. so that was that was actually the, the the touchstone record of like we started a band after that record came out. The the we named the band after a Green Day song because we were so excited about it. Yes. Um, yes, J A R. You got it. I know my shit. 
You did your research. <laughs> you did your research. So, so you know, but it was like that was that was huge, right? It was unbelievably transformative. It's like, yeah. that, and that was the kind of that. That wasn't even my gateway to punk. Like, I loved punk because I knew that, but I didn't really like. I didn't like immediately fall into, you know, Fat Records or Epitaph or you know, like we knew what those labels were, but we weren't getting like. I hadn't heard the Descendants yet, you know. Sure. Um, sure. But then, uh, coming off of the grunge thing toward like getting into the later nineties was when I heard Sunday day real estate for the first time. And then how it feels to be something on had like just come out. And that is actually the record. That is the reason why I write music the way that I do now. Yes. So yes. that would, that's my fourth watershed record yeah. is, is that one specifically. And that's probably my favorite record of all time. But yeah. if I think, but based on your question, which I think is, is different. Your your question isn't what's your favorite record of all time. Your question is like, yeah. what is the what is the record that really set you on the path? I think yeah. ver, I think versus is the record that really set me on the path. Yeah, and I know it's a tricky question, and each guest I have kind of does a different thing. You know, like some go, there's just they, they they zero in on an album and they say this is the moment, and then 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 there are other guests of mine that really struggle because of the eras and the chapters and times, and really, you know, the the people who've been listening to the show since the beginning, the name Waterproof Record just comes from a cute, adorable story with my son when he was three or four years old. And we were naming my future record store, but I just, this, you know, waterproof records. I thought to myself, Oh, waterproof, you know, it's unsinkable. It can't, it can't be lost to time. It can't sink to the bottom of the ocean and be this relic. It is, it's going to float forever. And so that I loved that notion. And so whenever I ask it of people, I'm like, there seems to be a turning point, especially for musicians where you hear this band and you go, mom, dad, I need a guitar. Yeah. Or I need to play the drums or the I need to sing in a band immediately. And so for you versus Pearl Jam was the one that was like, mm, let's get a guitar. Let's 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 start playing some songs. Yeah. But I love what you said about the point of entry of versus versus Dookie because Dookie's three friends, three yeah. dudes. So the moment you see it, you go, I, I think I can get two guys. Yeah. But when you see Pearl Jam, you go. Like, I need how, am I ever, how am I ever going to do that? How can <laughs> I ever do what them. Pearl Jam is doing? Like, There's five of them. And even when you get in, when you start playing, you're like, how could I, you realize you're like, how could I ever do what Green Day is doing? But like, you're, right. but that it didn't seem unattainable or scary the way yes. that they did it. It seemed like, that. like you watch them do Woodstock 94 and it's like, yeah. this is fucking three assholes just goofing off. Like that's totally. literally it. And it's like, I can goof off with my friends. I Absolutely. can totally do that. These songs aren't challenged. Like I'm not, I don't need to be like, Mike McCready fucking soloing over some crazy shit with a walk. Totally. I could just, I could just play bar chords and like sing about, you know, I mean, I don't know if we would sing about jerking off at that age, but like, you know what I mean? Like it was just like, (laughs) yeah, but you can, you can, it takes, it takes the, the pressure off. I, um, I've talked about before how, you know, my first real heavy love of music was metal and I was really into heavy metal. And when you're starting out playing guitar and listening to metal, I just kept thinking to myself, I would just hit my head against the wall and go, I'm never going to be able to solo like these dudes. I'm never going to be able to, I can't, I can't play that fast. I can't shred and alternative music, grunge music. Um, the entire, that era took it out of this perfectly polished, you know, like you gotta be a virtuoso. And it said, really dude, it's just about good songs. That's what it's about. It's it's right. Right. A good tune. You don't need to be able to shred if, if that's not your thing, you know what I mean? Like if you want to train, by all means learn it but <laughs> but if you just want to if you just want to write songs green day shows you 
you, you there's a real basic template you got to have and then you get to be more creative yeah. and we've we've seen green day go from being what seemed like three friends who were doing really great songs then they've grown and matured and and yeah. figured out a lot more dynamics as they've gotten older with time i mean yeah. you know that's been cool to watch right there but, but yeah um, and that's that was that was where like yeah i mean said it already but it's like you just realize how it doesn't seem so scary anymore. They made, they made it feel like anyone could do it. Yeah. And that was, that's so important to, Mm -hmm. and I mean, they're still doing it. They're still putting out records in the year 2023 and kids who are 10, 11 years old are thinking like I can start a band and they're, and they're thinking that because of them, which like imagine having 30 years of, the ability of saying that you're influencing generations of people to like not just pick up a guitar, but start a band. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And into it over it. Um, I'm going to encourage all of my listeners to check out your entire catalog of music. You have a lot of great albums that are available for streaming, pick up the physical copies if you can. And, and uh, you know, support Evan and his band and he's, he's, he's touring and playing with people. Um, writes remarkable music, very catchy. Um, you came across uh, my my world. I have a really, really good friend in um, in Chicago, and he was the one that I was supposed to go see you with. His name's yeah. Jarrett Dapier, and he's a he's a fantastic drummer. He's the one who kind of showed me your stuff years ago. And then you would turn up in these Spotify. You know, I'd be listening to songs, and these songs would come in in just a random playlist yeah. that was just giving me the song and I was like guys fucking great who is this oh into it over it <laughs> and so and then when you listed those four albums over text I was like and this is meant to be a compliment you have your own sound but when I heard your four reference points in that thing I was like and it's there and it's there and it's there and it's there you can hear the influence and yeah. I don't you know what I mean like you can hear the Peter Gabriel the Pearl Jam the Sunny Day Real Estate and the Dookie all combined into this great and Evan Thomas Wise salad and it's there <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's that. there. You can absolutely hear it. And uh, I just think it's wonderful. And your, your albums are growing and, and becoming really, you're doing something different every time. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's really great. Yeah. Trying to still trying to, you know, and now, yeah. now it's a little bit, um, I mean, we're still on that quest. And I think if we started working on like an actual, like real, like we haven't, we have, we've, we're just at like the very, earliest tipping point of writing a new record like it's like the very beginning and like these days i'm not trying to rush or like be like oh we got you know we have 30 days to make a record this is how it used to be It'd be like right we right, got two months we got two months to write everything like now it's like let's take a couple of years and just like relax yeah. into it you know yeah but so um but now I'm, I'm a little less protective about uh you know, I obviously still want to challenge ourselves and like use new sounds. Like that's another thing. Like every record has like new sounds on it. Um, yes, and so I'm still does. very, I'm still very fascinated about that and wanting to, wanting to chase that. But um, into it over it now is a band. Like I've, yeah, I've, it is. Um, I've let go of my hundred percent creative control. It's split four ways across four guys. Like all the money is split evenly four ways, 25%. I love that. Like it's gotten to the point where it's like, if this band is actually banned, if this project is going to develop to the next stage of what it can be. I have to bring in people with creative input and, mm-hmm. and ownership and can allow them to let their voice and style influence the music because 
I've at this point now, I, if it were just me, the way it's been for however long, I would just keep making the same record. And so I'm, yeah. cogn- I'm cognizant of the like, in order for this project to continue, it needs to evolve. And yes. yes. And so that now it's the next evolution. And so I'm excited to see where it goes moving forward. Cause every, we've done a lot of songs in the last couple of years and they've been like the collaborative, like all four people working on it, but they yeah. were also all songs that were ideas and, and stuff that had been left over from figure, which was the last LP that we made. So there right. hasn't been just like brand new ideas and parts written with me and three other people. It's been like pre-written ideas that I had that were just me, but like right. now applying these other flavors and tastes on top of them. So I'm really excited to see where it goes moving forward. And it's actually me like, too. Un- it's uncharted territory at this point. Like I have no idea what it'll be like, but I'm, I'm excited to see it. You I know, am too. I really it, am. It's where it's going. Well, but before I don't get to talk to you any longer, because I know we're, we've been going for a little bit here. I did want to talk. You kind of had a big week uh, this week because you collaborated with uh, Fender. Yes. And uh, I wanted to see if you could share a little bit about that project. It was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, all, all in your comments, people were like, I want one. And you're like, sold out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, in my in my normal life, in my professional life, I do. Yes. um I work for a company called Reverb.com. I've been there about over six years now. So six and a half years I've been working there. Um, And the team that I work on is called the business development team. So what I do my day-to-day is working with brands and artists, but mostly brands in the music gear industry, helping them support new product releases, helping them develop products, helping them align campaigns uh, surrounding their new releases or marketing, helping them unload product if they need the assistance. Like anytime you're seeing a brand doing some level of campaign on Reverb, chances are I aligned it or touched the campaign in some way. So, So it's 2020, it's January, 2020. So this is pre pandemic and we're at the NAMM show. And um, was with my buddy uh, who works at Fender. We were talking about leaving the show and going to the glass house in Pomona to see the band Joyce Manor. So love it. I love that band. So we, we skip out on the show. We leave the show. We bail on this party. We get in a rental car. We drive down to Pomona. We go to this, we go to this fucking gig. And this was actually like a big night because I, not only did I hang out with my buddy and, and, get the initial conversations going about what I'm about to tell you. But I also saw an old friend, uh, my friend, Jamie Coletta, saw them at this show. And that was the night that I told them they wound up doing PR and figure, which was the last Intuit Over record. And the reason they did that was because I ran into them at that show and was just like, hadn't seen them in years. and was just so excited about how, what they were doing with PR and you yeah. know, was telling, telling them I had a new record that was finished and it hadn't come out yet. I was like one interested in hearing their thoughts on it and if they wanted to work on it. And that all happened the same night. So it's like, wow. Just, a very transformative night and it only would have happened if had i gone to the show this is another big thing that like we were talking about just setting yourself up for opportunity you gotta you gotta fucking go places and meet people and talk to people if you want to get stuff done make yourself be around be around where shit is happening and you'll absolutely find yourself in these scenarios so we go to the show we're driving home and it comes out that uh fender's been working on this idea with kevin shields from my bloody valentine yeah. And I was like, man, if there's anything that I would love to work on, it'd be something like that. And, uh, you know, and we kept the conversation, then the pandemic hits like two months later. Right. And we right, right, right. Keep, keep the conversation going for many, many years. And 
um, you know, or many, many years, like two, two years, finally it feels you know, like a lot more than that, right? Dude, it feels like an eternity, <laughs> but so, you know, eventually the conversation gets restarted. Sounds like the project's almost finish line. Um, and then, you know, I begin negotiating it, working it out. We get it all sorted out with, with Fender and Reaver partnering on this thing. And, um, I got to go to Dublin and interview Kevin for, for the video that we did. I, you know, mm-hmm. got to talk to him about all sorts of things related to my bloody Valentine and, and really get a sense of, uh, not just what the product was, but like why it's happening and, right. and how it came together and, and just, and their, their process and how they do so. It was just a really special project. I bet. And one that, and one that was really close to me because like, I mean, I, I, I mean, we're, we're men of a certain age and we're in, we have very similar interests. So of course it's like, who didn't love Loveless? But like, you know, absolutely. But like you and I, I would imagine are two dudes who just fucking adore who that record. Love <laughs> that album so much. Yes. So this opportunity you know, is like, I have to do this. Yes. So I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm like holding the guitar from the cover and I'm playing it. And I'm just like, this is the most surreal shit ever. Amazing. You know? Amazing. And, it's, and it just feels so good. You know, you're like, damn. And yeah. it's like in these cool open tunings and it's like, I play in open tuning. So I'm able to, sit down and just start fucking with it right away. It's like, yeah, really nice. Um, but yeah, so this is completely surreal experience and it finally all went live this week and it was a huge, it was a big success. And, um, yeah. And I have, you know, one, he has it right here. It's a pedal. Yeah. It's just, it was super, super cool. And it it actually, you know, we had known, we had known this little tidbit. It just went online today, but there was a hundred of these that if you bought it on reverb, there were a hundred of them out of the, uh, you know, amount that we sold that have a, uh, flash drive inside of it with an instrumental piece of music that Kevin wrote using the pedal. No way. Oh, those hundred. That's like, wow, this is like some Willy Wonka golden ticket level shit right there. It's like yeah. you open it up, you're like, oh, I yeah. got it. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's amazing. And it was only the reverb ones. So we were like able to figure that out too, which is, which is really, really cool. It was that's so amazing. hard, so hard holding on to that secret. Like, <laughs> I bet, I bet. That's what a cool project to be involved with. But it was like, but also getting to like insert parts of like, my creative totally thing into it like yeah talk talking to the guys about like yo what does it look like to put this weird easter egg inside of the pedal and not say anything like that's a thing we would do with our label right. or with our bands you know like those right. are the kind of like wacky things we would think about with our own art and it's like oh i get to bring that side of myself into my professional life in this other way and i get to work with other folks who are like really aligned on those same ideas and and right. um it's 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 really really cool i really love my job and um, i love it I love it. Even when it's stressful, it's still, it's still awesome. So let's uh, say the name of it. Cause I realize you held it up, but what's the name of the pedal? Oh, it's called the shields blender. So he shields to, uh, blender. So he's uh, it's based off of a pedal called the fender blender, which was made in the sixties and through the seventies. And then it was discontinued for a long time. Um, that was the pedal that's on like all, almost a lot of the, my bloody Valentine stuff. Um, yeah. Like one of, one of Kevin's go-to drives and, right. uh, the um it got reissued in the 90s and the 90s ones are actually made incorrectly so they don't sound the same as the vintage ones really they they didn't find out that the 90s ones were made incorrectly until they started making this and so really so it came out during the the production of this pedal that they realized that all the ones that came out in the 90s and 2000s are made wrong so if you have one of those they're like actually their own thing they're they're completely incorrect and they fixed the part that was incorrect. And so these are like the original vintage ones. Gotcha. So it's like the original sound. Yeah. The Shields Blender. 
totally now, I just wanted people to hear what it was called because I realized we held it up and and and, and for people listening, the gosh, they're like, the, what the, is it? They're like they're like sitting there in their car and they're like, tell me what the goddamn <laughs> pedal's called. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Um. But uh. But before before we wrap things up, I did want to say um we didn't spend too much time really digging into um the albums. You know, we really just did it as a like a touchstone, a reference point. Because you know, do you remember where you were when you heard Pearl Jam's verses? Do you remember like the the moment? Oh, I bought it the day it came out. I, I was already, the, I was already like such a. I loved ten, and then it was like, yeah. So you were like, went and got it, picked it up. Was Tower it a Rec- CD? Yeah, CD. Yeah. Tower yeah. Records brought it home, put it on. Yeah. I mean, I did that with. I probably bought every Pearl Jam record the day they came out up until, uh, up until Binaural. Okay. Um, yeah. But like then once, once it got to uh, no code, I was buying vinyl at that point. So like, right. Right. Um, and I went back and, you know, there was a time when you could find copies of like Vitology and Versus for like 10, 15 bucks on LP. Right. And, yeah. um, and I guess you can now if you're getting reissues, but the originals used to not go for very much. And now they're all like, go for a shitload of fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, those originals. But uh, yeah, if you're, if you're thinking about coming, you should come out to Chicago and see them at the United Center with me in September. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm i uh, there's a really good chance I'm going to be going to Riot Fest working on that right now. So uh, might, might be attending that. And I have family in Chicago, so I do make my way um, out there, you know, and it hasn't been as often in the past few years, obviously, because there just hasn't been that much travel. But right. I get out that way. So we definitely have to hang out when I come to your turf. And uh, if you ever come out this way, let me know, of course. Well, I mean, we we do get a chance to see each other a little bit at NAM, which is always yeah. a nice uh, special thing to look forward to every year. Um, but man, what are the best ways that everybody can really seek out, uh, your music that you want them to, you know, do okay. you have a yeah. website? So, uh, for Intuit over it related things, it'd be intuitover.com or Intuit over it on your streaming services or at Intuit over it, just a single word. Um, if you're interested in exploring pet symmetry, which is my like more rock, like the, the way we always describe it is like uh like Foo Fighters meets Jimmy Eat World meets like love it um, the Lemonheads you know it's kind of like combination of just like more like power pop um, yeah. so that'd be uh, PetSymmetryBand.com PetSymmetry on your streaming services generally at PetSymmetry um, then I play in another band called There They There which is like a little more like a technical shreddier kind of thing um, we would call it math rock uh, yeah. that's tttmusic.org or at TTT music on your social, uh, social side or there, there on streaming. Um, and then I work on a project called couplet, which is me and Adam from Intuit over it with a buddy Tanner who used to be in a band called you blew it. And, um, that's, uh, I think it's just couplet.bandcamp.com or coupletists is the social media. Um, okay, just and, search it guys, search it. Yeah. Be just smart. look up couplet. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we run a re- record label called storm chasers, uh, storm chasers limited, which we run a Patreon that is our record label subscription. So we put out a vinyl record every month for a band that we're either in or loosely involved in, or it's like part of our collective community. Um, yeah. it's flat rate. You send your records in the mail every single month based on what kind of, what tier you're at. And, um, you know, that's where at this point we're self-releasing almost everything we do. We partner with other labels from time to time. Like they're, they're just partnering with the polyvinyl because polyvinyl used to put out all of our stuff. But um, but that's the release happening this month is a there their record. So if you wanted to sign up and get a copy, it's 25 or 35, depending on your tier, the $35 right. to getting a bonus record. This band called Goings from Philadelphia that are awesome. Um, it's the drummer of a band called Sweet Pill, which maybe you've heard. They To me, they yeah. sound like a math rock paramour. They're fucking great. Um, but so, so many bands, man. Yeah, it's so a, it's many bands. 
We're really, <laughs> you, we're you, really, really involved. So you yeah, are. That's, that's patreon.com slash stormchasersltd or stormchasersltd.bigcartel.com. That would be our our web store awesome. for for our label. Um, and I'll, I'll link these on you know like when I uh, when I put this YouTube video out, it'll put it in the comments and you know I mean I mean down in the little tag in the bottom. I'll make sure to link these. Um, so I'll get those from you. But I just want to make sure people you you've got a lot of stuff out there in the world. Ton, they man. should we're, definitely you know go listen. So. Yeah, we're working we're working on a shitload all the time, and it doesn't yeah. stop. The train keeps moving. Just keeps like moving. Our, our our vinyl production schedule is already booked out through April of next year. So it's just like incredible stuff that's happening all the time. Um, incredible. Always something new to update on. Well, Evan Thomas Weiss, Mr. Intuit over it and many other bands. Uh, I have been so delighted that we made this happen, that we pulled it together, that you came onto Waterproof Records today and just shared your story about your journey and all the things that you've uh, been working on and excited to see where they go um, for the future. And yeah, yeah, just just happy to have you a friend as a friend in my life and uh, look <laughs> forward too. to look, look forward to hanging uh, out again soon. So yeah. thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Jacob. Wow. What an incredible time I had. That was such a cool conversation and I enjoyed every minute we had together. I could have made that podcast go on for hours because honestly, he just has such a cool story and I loved hearing about the way that he's taking control of his music career and, and the way he handles it in such a way that it becomes special and something he can maintain his joy about and happiness and fulfillment. And I think that's just an important thing to remember when you're creating art or pursuing something like uh, anything like this in the creative realms is that you want it to always retain that joy. You want to keep that because if that runs out, then why are you doing it? You know, art should come from a place of I need to share this with people. And that's why I make the videos that I make. That's why I put out this podcast. I feel compelled. I feel driven to talk about the things I love, to share the things I love, to make the things I love. Um, that's why I make the videos that I do. And I've spent a long time, like I talked about on the show, I've spent a long time in Los Angeles trying to make videos and movies and things that would inspire and make you laugh and you know things that you would enjoy. If you didn't know that about me, I've made two short films of my own that are on YouTube that I shot on an iPhone. And then I have a movie. I have a um, movie called I Had a Bloody Good Time at House Harker that I made with a team of writers and comedians called Good Cops TV. We made web series together. So that's on Amazon Prime and that's also on Tubi for free. Um, so if you didn't know that about me, I, I spent a long time creating content um, before this music thing happened. So um, if you want to check some of those things out, they're all available. I have link trees on my bios on Instagram and on TikTok that lead you pretty much to everything I've ever done. So if you want to check those out, as well as my shirts and things like that that I'm always wearing in my videos. So again, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Waterproof Records. I really can't make this show without you. Um, I need more and more people to learn about it and know about it. So spread the word, share the joy, send them a link, uh, talk about the bands that you're learning about on the show. Say this is a place where... You know, I sit down with you and we have a conversation about artists and bands and things that inspire us. And I hope it, it contributes to your day and uplifts you, inspires you, makes you want to create things of your own. Get out there and chase your dreams. Um, I love doing this show and I love making the content that I do. I truly do. Uh, huge thanks to Evan Thomas Weiss, Evan Weiss, uh, for coming on the show, Into It, Over It. Make sure you click on those links and listen to his music and the band's music, uh, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do next. So thank you once again for joining me on Waterproof Records. I'll see you next time. Things are going to change. I feel it. Like.
Thank you.